make a cut from ear to ear and just kind of be, far enough back so the funeral home can put their head in a pillow. I was like, okay. Make it nice then, and smooth for me, Gerald. Make it nice and smooth. <laughs> one cut. Don't 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 stop and go. Stop and go. I'm like, okay, one cut ear to ear. I work all the time. What? So what do you have four jobs? What are you doing for four jobs? Oh, I do all kinds of things. Like like my day job, I I work at a hospital and do private I do autopsies and then in the evenings I do private autopsies for one of the doctors that retired from the crime lab. And so nights and weekends I kinda do that. And then also at that mortuary there is an embalming service. So I help powder and sew up bodies i'm not a licensed embalmer but i help the embalmer sew up bodies and so uh, you, know that. You're not yeah, I, you know how to stitch you're not you know how to stitch yeah that's right so i do oh, a little bit yeah. of everything that's a lot of work man uh, do you like being busy or what's the deal yeah i like being busy so like i'm trying to lose weight and so long as i'm not sitting and long as i'm not in the kitchen i'm good like I, if I get bored, I eat. And so I'm trying to lose as much as I can. So I, I don't want to sit down. I want to stay active. I want to keep going. My doctor told me a year and a half ago, I was pre-diabetes. I was almost 400 pounds. She's like, you got to get up. You got to get moving. Look at so, you. I know. So now she's like, get 10,000 steps every day. And so what I try to do is I try not to sit down as, as little as possible. Cause you don't realize how much you sit down until you get like a tracker. And then at the end of the day, I was like, I've only moved like 2,000 steps. And she's like, you need 10,000 a day. And so right then it was on. I started doing 5Ks and 10Ks. I I, just... I see on your Instagram, you're always running. Good for you. Way to go. Yeah, yeah. I lost all my weight. And then I got rec- uh, recruited by a running uh, club here in Little Rock. And so now I went from big boy to medium-sized boy to now I'm on a, a running team. Now I'm not first, second, you're or third, boy. but they – yeah, they, they like my story, and they wanted me to be an inspiration for other people. And I was like, that's my whole life. I want to yeah. have people try to be like me, see that I'm doing all this as a big guy. You can do it, too. I, I freaking love it. That That's awesome. Good for you. you got such a great personality. You bring so much passion. For our audience, this is Gerald. What What's your handle on TikTok and Instagram so people can follow you? He's, he's the most famous autopsy tech, maybe the only one to ever exist. <laughs> right. Well, I'm, I'm the one that, that started everything. So, like, there's a lot of autopsy techs out there, and we're all behind the scenes. Um, no my doubt. handle is GW, G and then space D-U-B-Y-A. I go by big underscore lead 73. Yeah, um, you're gonna have to change I, that to small lead now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I, I went from almost 400 pounds, and now this morning I weighed 253. My goal is 249 because I was over 350 for 25 years, and so I can't wait to say, "Look at you, I'm man. under 250." Yeah, that's awesome. That's just so just, cool. Like, love just to hear keep it. Setting goals, yeah. That's the way to do it. You, that you keep moving forward. I mean, you got to be on your feet all day anyway as an autopsy tech. So, like, yeah, you know, you might as well double down and be like, "Hey, I'm gonna you're gonna dive in it and lose some weight here, huh?" Yeah, yeah, just yeah. just baby steps, just every day, just keep moving and just try to be better than yesterday. That's all I'm trying to do. That's make, awesome. Make yesterday yes, uh, just jealous. Yeah. Wow. You got a good, such a good mindset, good mentality, and if uh, so. For our podcast, this is Mortuary Show. We got all like mostly funeral directors. So I'm a funeral director. Mostly everyone listening to funeral directors. So we love to like 
hear about your side of things. Like, I know we have a lot of uh, dynamic that we, we mix in together. So tell us a little bit about your story, Gerald. Like, how'd you get started being autopsy tech? And, uh, you know, how, how, how'd you get to, to here to now? Okay. Yeah. So it just goes way back to when I was, uh, I, was I think I was about eight years old. I was riding my bike. My mom was making dinner. She said, don't go far. And I was like, okay. Well, I rode my bike. I was about a mile away from home. Right. And there was a car behind me. And so I was like, well, I'll, I'll switch over to the other side. And as I was doing that, that car hit me. Lady ran out. And she's like, you're hurt. Lay down. Lay on the ground. What's your phone number? And I was like, no, you can't call my mom. You can't call my mom. She's going to be mad. I'd rather be dead. <laughs> yeah, like, just let me die here. Just let me go home. They're like, no, you're hurt. You need to go to the hospital. What's your phone number? And so I told her, like, all the digits except the last one. And I was like, that's my phone number. She goes, you're missing one. I'm like, nope, that's it. Just let me go home. They're like, what's your name? And so back then there was big phone books everybody had. And well, I told sure. her my name. So she looked up my parents and called my mom. They called the police. Policeman shows up and he okay. says, it'll be all right. I'll, I'm here. I'm going to protect you. And all my life, my mom taught me, if you're ever in trouble, if you ever need help, find a police officer. They're going to help you. And yeah. so I was like, okay. I was like, you have to save me because my mom's going to kill me. <laughs> like, I'm a mile <laughs> away from home and I'm super scared right now. He's like, it's okay. You're going to be all right. Well, as they were waiting for the ambulance, the lady brought out a blanket and covers me in a blanket. My mom pulls up, sees me laying in the middle of the street with a blanket on. She starts no. screaming. She's just screaming. I'm like, okay, protect me. Protect me. Here she comes. And he's like, I'm protecting you. You're okay. Got me to the hospital. I had a broken collarbone, a broken leg. Yeah. The next day, that police officer brought me a bicycle because my bike was trashed. He bought a bike with his own money and brought it to wow. me. And right then I was like, I want to be a police officer. I want to yeah. help kids. I want to help people. That's what this police officer did for me. That's so cool. So I based yeah. my whole life on that. I went to college. I got a criminal justice degree. I went yeah. through everything. And then when it came down to it, I have such a big heart and I couldn't pull a trigger and shoot somebody that yeah. even if it's a bad guy yeah they, they would shoot me before i would shoot them because I, I don't think i could live with that and yeah. so i didn't become a police officer what i did was i became an investigator at the me's office i got oh. to work with the police work with the coroners work with funeral homes get yeah. to write reports i'd go get bodies bring them and then after about three years a position came open in the morgue and i transferred down and for the last 15 years i've been doing autopsies so okay. it's not where I thought I was going to be, but this is where I ended up. And I think I'm helping people. I'm just behind the scenes, like three, four yeah. lines back, but I'm helping families get answers. So I, I yeah. think this is where I need to be. Yeah. You got to have that mindset. Like you have to, like for me as a yeah. funeral director, I'm doing the, I have that same mind frame where I'm like, I'm helping this family, give them like a last beautiful goodbye. Yeah. You're helping these families get some closure on their situation. Right. So you, when you're dealing with this really challenging situations, you have to have that good frame of mind. Otherwise you'll drive yourself crazy. Cause it's a hard job. Right. Like I'm sure autopsy tech, you're, you're working hard every day, every day. And you're seeing some really tough stuff. But it is some, that's some, people do some terrible things to other people. And it's, it's so yeah. sad. And I have to learn to leave it at work. Yep. and not bring it home like when i yep. come home if my wife asks me i can't tell her really anything because i don't want to learn and think about it and go home and then lose sleep like a lot yeah. of my tiktok followers are like do you dream about it i'm like no do you how do you decompress i'm like i i don't i'm sorry but i don't learn your name or your situation when i'm at work i'm 110 percent, and then when i go home 
I'm Gerald. I play video yeah. games. I go fishing. I run. I clear my mind because I know at work I'm going to do the best I can. But then I also have a life and I can't take your life home with me. And so when I first started as an investigator, I drove like from Little Rock, the whole entire state of Arkansas, all the bodies come to Little Rock for autopsy. We only have one Emmy's office. So okay. I drove up to Fayetteville and it was a good three and a half hour drive. Yeah. And I picked up a shaken baby. And the story was dad yeah. shook the baby and set it down and then he changed his story to he shook the baby a little bit more and then set it down. And then the third story is he shook the baby until the head was doing this. It set the baby down. Six hours later, when mom came home from work, he said, I don't know. The baby stopped crying. I had a little one at home and I cried all the way back to Little Rock. Like I wanted to go find that dad and just I, shake him. I have the chills. So, right. I would do the same. I, I How could, yeah, keep going. Sorry, Gerald. Man. No, it's okay. Like, I just can't imagine somebody doing that to a kid. I mean, you just need to walk away and cool off. That baby's going to cry, but that baby can't defend itself. And so oh right God. then, I had a little one at home the same size as this baby. And it just oh it God. just tore me up all the way back to Little Rock. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to help this little one get justice. Yeah. So this, this, is, this is where I need to be because I'm helping people. I'm going to help get justice. And we're going to put this dad away. So he can't do this again. Oh, wow. That's cool. That's such like, that is the way you got to think. Because if yeah. you're taking that stuff home to your family every day, they're going to have to live with it and you're rubbing off. And then it's just staying with you all the time. I'm the same right. way. When I'm done with work, I got to be done with work. Like I'm not thinking about what yeah. I'm doing in the prep room every day. You'll drive yourself crazy. You're not thinking about the families. Of course, you're helping. You're doing as much as you can. Right. You have to break away. Otherwise, there's yeah. no way you're going to live every day. Yeah, it's miserable. Yeah. It's terrible. No, you can't yeah. take it home. And, and it's sad because people are like, tell me a story. Tell me a story on TikTok. I'm like, I, I can't. Like, yeah. I help you in the moment. But then when I walk away, I leave that story there. And like, I have trouble. They're like, tell us, uh, tell us a terrible story. I'm like, well, I really can't because of HIPAA, but I really don't learn the situation. Like when I'm at work, I learn it. I do the best I can, what I need to do. And then I go to the next case. Like, yeah. I don't try to take that home with me. Cause I, I don't want th that on my shoulders. I just yeah. know I want to help those, that person in the moment and they're going to get justice. Yeah. And then, then on to the next body. Yeah. Love to hear that. That's great. And so you got to be a pretty darn high volume that if you got everywhere from Arkansas to your facility, it's gotta be, I mean, you guys are turning out a lot every day. Is that right? Yeah. So the, the Little Rock Emmys office, I think they get about 1500 cases. It's the whole entire state. And so it's all homicides, all suspicious, like unattended yep. deaths and like yep. all babies that, yep. uh, that die at home. And then yep. you got like, um, sometimes they send suicides and, and if there's enough evidence there, they won't do an autopsy right. unless there's a bullet that needs to be removed you don't bury a bullet. And I right. told that to TikTok and they're like, why don't you bury a bullet? And I was like, because the minute they're in the ground, somebody over here is going to say he wouldn't have shot himself or she wouldn't have shot himself. That's yeah. a homicide. You got to yeah. have that bullet to match to the gun to because no, yeah. nobody you don't know who what people are going through. And then you don't yeah. the people that don't ask for help are, are the ones that are going to do it. And after the fact, yeah. After the fact, and you're like, well, he would have never done that. He never said he was sad. He never, he never showed any signs. They're just, they're quiet, and then they do it, and then everybody's in shock, and then everybody's bearing their burden that they were having. Like they, they ended their life in a second, but 
now we're all suffering because because of that and I, I tell everybody i'm like please check on your friends check on your loved ones because yep. you never know what they're going through yeah yeah it's so true you just don't what about like so you i know in chicago for the me's office they take in all the the decomp cases you guys take all those into or are you not so yeah, much yeah we yeah we get a bunch during the summer it's it's oh, prime yeah. season right now. there's 110 in arkansas this Woo! this week and last week yeah it's hot it's oh, hot so okay so tell us like a little bit about your day-to-day -day life then um this is funeral directors listening so i mean you talk about everything anyway so um what what is it like when you from the moment you get in the door through the day um what is your typical caseload like and how does it work like what what bodies you get assigned to or is it just based on the it, cycle it's just 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 so we try to do homicides first those come priority versus okay. possible overdoses or found right. dead you you want to direct all your attention to the homicides because those will take longer photograph and evidence and, okay. and just measuring wounds and looking x-ray and so all homicides kind of trump first, all right. the other cases so if yep. we have a handful of homicides those will be up first and then Got once it. those are done we'll we'll do the other cases and and so yeah. it's just it's just you show up and read the folder and see what's next and you try to do what you can to to try to figure out why they died or if if it was a homicide or whatnot, then you try to collect as much evidence that maybe could be used in court that could be yeah. prosecuting a bad guy. They always ask me on TikTok and Instagram, what's your favorite part? And I said, I like collecting evidence because yeah, that could be used to put a bad guy away. So yeah, that, that's, that's the that most comes back to, to your upbringing and everything. Right. Yeah. 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 So if I can collect a bullet or collect, hair or fingernails that will trace evidence back to a bad guy yeah. when i first started doing autopsies so back backstory my dad had a body shop when i was growing up he would fix cars and so i learned how to put cars back together and help him stuff like that when i first started in the morgue as an autopsy tech there was a hit and run patient and this guy he was just all like he got ran over and in his cool. clothing was like a piece of plastic with a rivet and okay. I collected it and I, and I told the doctor, I was like, this is a rivet and plastic from the bumper that probably hit this guy. And a couple of weeks later, the doctor came to me and he's like, Gerald, that piece of plastic that you pulled out of the clothes, that was ID'd and it was matched to the car that hit that person from the Whoa. hit and run. I was like, oh, that's this cool. Is, this so like the stuff I learned as a kid working with my dad and then all of a sudden I recognized it in the clothing. I was like, hey, this is a part of the car and it got submitted. It got ID'd and it got matched to the car. And that day I was I was up here. I was like, oh, my gosh, I, I helped catch the bad guy because of a piece of car. Like I called my dad. I'm like, hey, dad, you know, when you taught me about like rivets and stuff. Like that just solved a homicide and he couldn't believe it. He's like, no, I was like, yeah, I recognize the piece. It got submitted to evidence. Simple. It got matched to the car. They were able to catch the, the guy that hit and run and took off and, and left that, that person on the side of the road. I was like, I can't believe it. That just That's blows my mind cool. that just trace evidence now can take hair right. fibers and just pieces of plastic and they can match it to anything and they can, they can catch the bad guys. And that's, that's the whole like makes me so happy that that I'm three layers back, yeah, helping solve cases or catch right. bad guys. And I was like, man, this is this is this is where I need to be. Like, 
That's awesome. Then, what a rush yeah. that must have been, honestly. Oh, I was so excited. They're like, hey, that piece of plastic, it matched to the car, and they got the guy that hit that guy. I was like, no way. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. So when, you, when you're bringing stuff in for a homicide or whatever the case, you're, are you going through the clothes then pretty rigorously? Like, how does that process yeah. like work behind the scenes? Yeah, so when the body comes in, we, we photograph the whole body, and then we x-ray the whole body, and then right there in x-ray, we'll be able to see if there's any metal like in their pockets or yep. any bullets in them, and so then after all the clothing is documented, you got shirt, you got a shirt, you got shorts, you got pants, after it's all documented, then we slowly start taking it off, and we look through all the pockets and make sure, like, like last week, I found like a crack pipe. I was like, "What?" And so, yeah. and then the week before, this 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 guy, he was mowing his yard, and this this grandpa, in his bib overalls, he I swear he had six pocket knives in one pocket. And I'm like, "Why does grandpa need six pocket knives in his pocket?" But that's what grandpas do. They have pocket knives, and he had six of them in his pocket. I was like, "Well, hey, here we go." And so we bagged it up and sent it back to the family. But you you never know what's in somebody's pocket, so you just gotta right. be careful. What, what is the, the craziest thing that you found in someone's pocket, non-drug related? Because I'm sure you get a lot of that. So anything oh. that's a little unique? Well, I, I don't like people are people are, are strange. Like they carry yeah. around weird things and, and you, you never know what they had. Like one guy, he had a pocket full of rocks and then I've had pocket full of marbles. And, that, and then one time I had like a pocket full of like coins, but they wasn't, they were like, not you from another people. country yeah they, i was like oh these are cool i was like man yeah. i wish i could have these and they're like it's evidence bag it up i'm like wow. i've never seen like that's so cool like from another country and, and one time, yeah yeah there was one time there was a lotto ticket and i'm like this is probably the winning ticket this is probably the winning <laughs> ticket and they're like bag it up i'm like right now let me check let me check the numbers they're like don't even do it don't don't even look i'm like okay and so i backed it up but it was a lotto ticket you know what i mean I mean just right now with the oh man! Right now, I'd be I'd be keeping that ticket. I'm telling like, you. Like, uh, no, I didn't see no lotto ticket. Uh. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the way it goes. You got. I'm sure it's a, a bunch of random stuff. Are you getting filmed like the whole time? Is there a process in place for that? Like, I mean, I, I would think, or is that is that a weird question to ask? Uh, no, there's no filming in the yeah. autopsy suite. Yeah. So okay. there's just photographs of the body before and then photographs gotcha. of the body after. But there's no filming in the morgue. Like everybody yeah. wants me to like pan the camera around and show the morgue. I was like, no, I really can't do that. This is a mortuary and there's bodies in there. You just yeah. like two feet that way. There's somebody on the table. So yeah, I know. It, there's no filming in the the autopsy suite other than just yeah. the photographs of the body as right. I didn't before know and after they're like uh, reasons for for research or for like you know to make sure everything's above board i don't know if they oh, had something yeah. like that yeah um, no, we... so, yeah yeah so what about um funeral directors were getting personal effects all the time and usually they get separated more, more of the time it's like valuables in one at least in chicago that's how it is valuables in one and other personal effects do you like what is the distinguishing thing there? I'm sure it's pretty standardized throughout the US. So how does that yeah. work for you guys? Yeah, so like personal items like rings and glasses and watches and pocket knives and all that'll be personal items that that we bag up and make a list of and then yeah. clothing items we'll bag those separate and put them in a bag. So you just kinda you don't like 
if their right. if their clothing is all bloody and stuff, yeah, you don't yeah. want their personal yeah. items to get all yucky. And like some families want that stuff. Like, and sometimes yeah. I'll put like like belt buckles or belts with the like personal personal stuff because sometimes, no offense to the funeral home, but sometimes the clothes get tossed and <laughs> we hear the story like that. Where what happened to his belt buckle? And we're like, well, put it with the personal stuff. Right. Well, the funeral home says there was no clothes. I'm like, there was clothes. They signed for it. Like, it might have got tossed, but yeah. yeah. I mean, most of the time it's soiled. So I, yeah. I personally, like, yeah. I, I keep everything on the shelf. Let the family know as much as you can. After yeah. a few weeks, then that's like, okay, then it's time. So that's usually yeah. the, the normal process. But it's, it's just, I mean, I've gotten some crazy stuff back from personal effects, from suicides. Like, the craziest oh. one I got was like a, a pull-up bar that the guy did it on and they oh, said he back. hung himself yeah oh. and they, it got sent down to the medical examiner it came back to us and i'm like and you see electrical wire i'm like come on like i don't want like it it, it throws you for a loop it shocks you because you're not expecting it it's like what am i getting my hands i mean i guess they got to get right. it back i mean you know it, it, it's yeah, and death. usually stuff like that in the, the Little Rock um, Emmy's office, like the ligature or that yeah. pull-up bar, that would go to evidence, and then yeah. whatever agency worked the case would have to come get that. We we yeah. wouldn't want the family to get oh, that the back. Family. Exactly. I'm like, I'm not giving the family this freaking no. pull-up no. no. Oh, my gosh. All right, so tell us a little bit about um, the actual ins and outs um, from your your perspective. So what what percentage are you seeing like a homicide versus like suspicious death? What, what are those ratios typically on, on your like caseload? So, I mean, here in Arkansas, Little Rock, Pine Bluff, we have a lot of uh, gunshot wound homicides, like a lot of gun violence here in Little Rock. Like Chicago. And- <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure Chicago's got a lot too. Uh, yeah, we get a lot of homicides, and here lately it's been a lot of overdose deaths. I guess yeah. the, um, the, it's the fentanyl, man. the fentanyl is is yeah, getting it's, up. It's, it's getting them right and left. I mean, it seems like we'll have two or three overdoses to one homicide now, and it's just it's man. crazy. And then, and then we get a lot of like we're getting a lot of. Are you taking extra? Sorry to cut you off. Do you take extra precaution in those situations because? Sometimes they're doing using like the patches or whatever else. So like, are you being extra careful in any situation that you think it could be an OD? Well, yeah. So we don't yeah. touch the body without gloves on. And sometimes I put two pair of gloves yeah. on just to be safe. And just because it's just going through pockets, you never know what's going to be in that pocket. And then mm-hmm. I don't want to have that on my hands or gloves or anything. So yeah, yeah. it's so crazy that it's just, you can just trace evidence and, and you can get right on you. Right. That's a, we, we have like continuing education that we have to go through and I've gone through several continuing education that talking about that stuff. If you're making a house call, you're making a removal, you got to be extra careful. If there's any suspicion that there could be a possible situation, you got to wear gloves. You got to double up if you need to, your life yeah. is worth so much. You, you can't risk it. And we see it all the time. You see people dying right. for crazy reasons. Like you just never know. You got to be careful. Yeah, it's it's terrible. It's getting out of hand that it's just yeah. so bad now. I can't believe it. No, it's really sad. It's really tough. Uh, so what about like 
when you're going through your procedure then. So are you working typically with the same pathologist like the whole day or do you like yeah. rotate around with different guys or girls or how, how does it uh, work for you? So at the Emmy's office there, I think there's five Emmys, Emmy, uh, pathologists. And okay. so sometimes you get to see, like, if you get a doctor that likes the way you autopsy the body they kind of pick you every time and yeah. so you kind of get stuck like with them at a golf course <laughs> like i want i want that guy that that's my guy right there <laughs> whatever case he gets that's the one we're doing so yeah sometimes you 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 get favored over the other yeah. techs and so you, you kind of work but the emmy's office there's five different doctors and and sometimes when they're on court one will be out of rotation and you'll get to work with the other ones and so it just it it's not the same doctor all the time it kind of rotates yeah that's and so then idea. then you got to learn the way that they like their right. organs out like sometimes they want them all in block all in one piece and sometimes they want them piece by piece and so you just okay. got to figure out what they that's like true. and and then that's how you remove them per yeah. their liking so when you saw your first autopsy what was that like for you and oh my god serious so on tv the bodies move <laughs> right it's bodies a, always you move get, you get that question all the freaking time I all see it the time it's i get the same question too because i i do like tiktok stuff too i'm like no like when no. they get to me they're not moving they're not they're moving stiff. they're stiff i gotta break the rigor but yeah when i first yeah. started i kept looking down i had like a mid-30s gentleman he was a drug overdose and i was like he's gonna move he's gonna move when is he gonna move and then it took me about two weeks i'm like they're not gonna move no. <laughs> i was scared to death i'm like the body's gonna move like this go total zombie situation they're gonna sit up and moan or something but they don't move they don't move no. now, yeah. now i keep telling that to everybody on tiktok they don't move no, my aunt told me. I'm like, no, she didn't. No, no, she didn't. They're lying. No, they're she said right after, right after they die, they they sit up. I'm like, no, they don't. No, no they don't. Please, trust me, they don't. They do. They not. don't move. Like well, I heard. I'm like, you know, no. What about what about like when you open everything up? That noise, that like that saw noise. That what was the experience like? Like actually getting in there? Then like, all right, we're we got past like the body. How about like actual the actual process? What was it like at the beginning for you? At first, I, I was freaked out because yeah. I didn't know exactly right where to cut. And so yeah. I was just making little baby cuts. And the doctor's like, they're dead. Cut, cut, cut the organs out. And I'm like, I, I don't know where to cut. And he's like, where one connects to the other, cut it right there. And so I was like, okay. And so I cut them all out and put them all in the pan. I was like, man, this is weird. This is a person. They're like, no, the person's gone. This is just the shell. We're removing the organs to figure out why the person died the person's gone but we're gonna figure out why they died to figure out that death certificate i was like okay yeah. and they're like go ahead and open the, the skull and so i was like okay how do i do that and they're like make a cut from ear to ear and just kind of far enough back so the funeral home can put their head in a pillow i was like okay make it and then, nice and smooth for me gerald make it nice and smooth <laughs> one cut don't 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 stop and go stop and go don't i'm like okay one cut ear to ear and then they say, pull the scalp over his face. I was like, what? They're like, pull the scalp over the face. I'm like, okay, okay. And so, and they're like, all right, get the bone saw out and go around and cut the top off. I'm like, really? And so here I'm using the bone saw, and I didn't realize that it just vibrates back and forth. So I'm going along, I'm going along, and I get to the top, and I start to go down, and I'm using so much pressure that I slip, and I hit my thumb. 
I about died. I'm like, I just cut my thumb off. And I'm like, you can't hurt yourself. It just vibrates back and forth. Once it hits soft tissue, it doesn't do anything. I'm like, how is that possible? How is that possible? And they're like, when it hits a hard surface like bone, it will gnaw through the bone. So the bone saw, like removing a cast. Okay. If you get one on your arm, it just vibrates back and forth. It's got all these teeth on it. It just vibrates back and forth. So once it hits a hard surface like bone or wood or a cast that you have on your arm or your leg, it will gnaw through it. But if it hits your skin, it doesn't do anything. I almost crapped my pants. Like, I thought for sure I cut my thumb off. I'm like, oh, no. Wait. No, it didn't even cut. It didn't even cut my glove. I was like, how is this possible? Like, Yeah, it just oscillates is that the word it just vibrates yeah. back and forth yeah and wow. so i told that to tiktok and they're like no way and so that. then i did it i did a video showing that it hit my skin and tiktok removed it they're like no this is dangerous activity i'm like it's not dangerous like <laughs> it just vibrates back and oh, forth boy. and when it hit it hits skin it doesn't do anything yeah. but when it hits a oh. hard surface like bone the bone saw will just it'll cut the top of the skull off it'll cut through a, a skull bone yeah, I mean, that makes you more comfortable probably doing it because, like, you know you're not going to go down the side or anything like that. Then it was wherever the, the end point was. Yeah. Oh, I was so scared. I was like, oh, I just cut my thumb off. And then I was like, it didn't even cut my glove. That's that's crazy. But it just wow. it vibrates back and forth. Very and then cool. I, showed that, I showed that on TikTok, and they're like, that's just like a, a the saw they use to remove cast. I was like, well, yeah, probably the cast is hard. Oh, and so they just zip around it, and your cast comes right off. Wow, that's interesting. I did not know that. Wow, yeah. that's awesome. All right, so, so, so you learned about, something today. Yeah, no, I'm learning a lot. So what about like, all right, when you're in there and you're you're inside, you're in deep, where like what are your typical cuts? Like I know it depends on the pathologist, but like let's say for for common purpose, like where are you usually making making your cuts and like or like in the situation that they don't want everything in one or how how yeah. does that what, what does that look like for you? So, yeah, basically, it's about the same thing every time. I start up here, I do the Y incision, and then fillet it open, and then you got your rib cage, and I'll use rib cutters, and then I'll go the opposite way. And so then you have access to all the organs. Right. And so the doctor can look around, see if anything looks abnormal right then, because everything is exposed. Right. So what I do is I collect tox specimen. I'll get your vitreous fluid. We can send that away. Yeah, I was going to ask, where does the tox usually come from? Right. So I'll, I'll stick a needle in your eye. I told that yeah. to TikTok. They lost it. And they're like, what? I'm like, yeah, I'll stick a needle in your eye, suck out the fluid. They're like, why? I was like, because drugs in your system will stay in your eye fluid longer. So they can test oh, that okay. a little bit longer. And so, and then I think um, if you're like dehydrated, they can tell with your eye fluid if, if you are having some type of dehydration you, or something, but they yeah, test the vitreous fluid the eye, and yeah. then when I have you all open, I can pull up your uh, large and small bowel, and there's your bladder right there behind your pelvic bone. And right. so I'll just stick a needle in there and get your urine so we yep. can test the urine. Yep. And so then what I do is I'll make a incision in the pericardial sac, which is around the heart, and then your heart is exposed. And I'll so lift up the heart, and I'll stick way. and get heart blood. Uh-huh. And so those three things are what we send away for toxicology is vitreous, heart blood, and right. urine. And so now I've done all my hard stuff. Now I'm just going to take everything out. And usually first thing we do is we look for a PE, a pulmonary embolism. So what I'll do is I'll lift up the heart and I'll just slowly start cutting the the vessels. 
and I'll look for a blood clot. Usually it shoots over into your lungs. And so as I'm cutting, I'll look for like a rubbery, hard, yeah, um, like blood clot. And if like, it, like what, it's kind what of... Is it? What is the size usually like? Is it like the size of like the whole artery is like a, a yeah? It, what it, what a PE no. will do will go and fold over and then it'll go and fold over and it'll be real firm it and it's about the size more. of your pinky or a little yeah. bit smaller, but it'll be a real firm blood clot and it, you can tell it don't look right. And yeah. Usually, after you die, your your blood will start to coagulate yeah. and it'll get right. it'll that's get clotty. You do the drainage is in like you get like all these clots so we use the forceps you know to get yep, out and just out. pull all just those out and those are after death <laughs> yeah, out like, the oh, get them out get them out get them out but yeah a real pe will stay together it'll be real firm Got and it. so then we'll we'll know that you had a pulmonary embolism then sometimes which you probably don't like we'll flip the body over and we'll cut down the back of the leg to see if it came from the leg do you get those i we don't do that know. We don't get those often. That, that's only for like if someone passes away uh, in prison, they're oh. going to do that. But they oh, don't, okay, they make don't sure. do that in normal cases here. So what's the purpose of that then for, for the back So side? usually, yeah, we'll look and usually if you have a blood clot that goes to your lungs, so right. most of the time it, it comes from your legs. And so what we'll oh. do is we'll cut down and look and see if there's a blood clot in your leg. And then we'll say it came from the right leg. But also like if you have subtype of surgery that usually triggers a pulmonary embolism like a yep. hip surgery or knee surgery or something sometimes that makes you have a blood clot and then we'll right. be like well she had hip surgery and then she had a, a pe and then yeah so what, after i remove the heart then you got your lungs there and then i'll just cut them loose and then put yep. them in the in the bucket and then you got your diaphragm in the middle and then right. you got the liver and so I'll lift up the liver and I'll slowly cut it out. And then you got your stomach that comes down and goes across. And what I'll do is I'll, I'll pinch off the end. I'll cut it and then I'll slowly get your stomach out. And then what I'll, I'll do is I'll cut the stomach open and see if you had anything in your stomach. If you ingested like a bunch of, a bunch of pills, then sometimes oh. it's a big, like as the pills dissolve, but then you passed away, it'll be it like, like a, it's kind of like, I want to say like, like a gray white play-doh if consistency kind of just congeals together and just kind of looks Ooh. like a, a mass of play-doh can you know when you pull play-doh apart it just kind of just yeah that's what when if you die shortly after ingesting a whole bunch of pills and they start to do like dissolve it just kind of congeals into it like a mass and so i was like hey doc come look at this and they'll be like oh that's this a lot of pills and sometimes we'll collect it and we can send that for for toxicology and yeah. if not then then he'll just make notes sometimes we take a photo of it. and sometimes like you pass away right after taking a pill and you can actually see the pills in the gastric and sometimes there's blood in the stomach and so maybe you had what a bleeding ulcer or something yeah. and so we yeah. can make note of that and so we look at the stomach contents and then after we do that, and then on this side, you got your spleen. I'll cut the spleen out, and right across the middle is your pancreas, and I'll cut that out. Yep. Then you got all your large and, and small intestines. Now, and you're, all, now all, you're pulling. Now you're pulling. I'm like, <laughs> they're like, people ask me, like, is it really like miles of intestines? I'm like, I don't think so, because it's just <laughs> – I mean, maybe if you stretch it, I don't know, but I'll look for your you're working out now. You're probably quick now. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> yeah. And so now it gets down to the dirty part. I'm not a big fan of poop. So I'm like, all right, now I got the dirty part. So I'll pull in your large intestine, look for your appendix. I'll cut that off and then slowly just 
pull out your large and, and small intestine. And then all you got left is uh, some kidneys and adrenals in the back. And so what yeah. I'll do is I'll remove your adrenal. I'll cut the shell off your kidney, pop your yeah. kidneys out. And then you got your bladder. So I'll pull the bladder down and cut it out. And then if you have uh, female um, reproductive organs, those come yeah. out. And then yeah. if we don't usually do it unless you're a homicide. On a male, I'll take your testicles out and make sure that you wasn't a victim of trauma. They didn't kick you in the testicles. And so we oh. look for for hemorrhage in the testicles only on homicides. Yeah. I, I told that to TikTok, and they're like, you remove everybody's testicles? I'm like, no, only if we think you were kicked there. And so we need to make note that you were kicked there. And they're like, leave mine in. And then the females <laughs> the females get mad at me, and they're like, why do you take our female stuff out? I'm like, everything comes out. They're like, no, you shouldn't take that out. I'm like, it's gave you problems your whole life, and now you're worried that I'm taking it out after you die? Like, what's up? Like, y'all got... Y'all got excited when I said I remove testicles on men, but now I say I remove your uterus and ovaries, and now you're mad at me? And they're like, that's just not right. And I'm like, we need to find your cause of death. And if you had something go wrong down there, it might be your cause of death. So everything comes out. Yeah. So oh, after I take out the reproductive stuff, and so then I start at the, the, the lower part of the body, and I slowly take the aorta all the way up to your throat. Yeah. And then I'll take the blade and I'll go up and around and I'll take your tongue out. And TikTok lost it. They're like, I'm why sure. do you take the tongue? Please tell me why you take the tongue. I said, for the cause of death. They're like, why? My tongue killed me? I was like, you could have had an allergic reaction and your tongue swell up. You thought of that? I didn't think of that. I was like, you could have had a seizure and you bit down on your tongue. So we need to look at your tongue to see if you had a seizure. You ever thought of that? No. I was like, yeah. you could have been swallowing... A bag of drugs and it's in the back of your throat and i need to see if it's back there i don't need a funeral home calling me and be like hey we found a bag of drugs in the back of the throat so could we look dog. at it yeah you could have <laughs> ate a hot dog or a ham sandwich and it's stuck in your throat we have to look at everything because in court they're going to say why didn't you look at that and they will try yeah. to discredit you for everything so it's better to look at everything and have an answer than not look at everything and not have an answer so no I, that's why I'm like, we take everything out, we look at everything, we put it in a bag, put it in your chest. They're like, what? I was like, yeah, everything goes in the bag, even your brain. Why can't you put the brain back? I was like, because it will leak. There's Once you take it out, it doesn't go back in. Well, that's not right. It. The funeral home should put your brain back. I'm like, that's not possible. Like, it's not. not. going to happen. <laughs> it's I mean, not going to happen. You want blood all over the pillow? Like, it's just, it's, it's so fun, like, talking to you about this stuff because, like, we get it. But like right. you're doing the TikToks and like they don't they don't they don't understand like it no it's, literally their brains are blown they're like what <laughs> it's such it's such a taboo to talk about the dark scary subject like you see yeah. grandma pass away and then you see grandma in the casket but nobody knows what happens no the 10, 15 steps to get her in the casket so oh I start answering questions like I started. Two years ago, I answered it like it was, I stitched a video. A guy's like, "What's one thing in your in your profession they say always happens, but it's a lie?" And so I popped in, I pulled up my my shield, and I'm like, "They say the bodies move, but I've been doing this 17 years. The bodies have never moved. The minute they move, I'm out." Yeah, Boom. Me too. I was I was TikTok famous, and now I get all these questions. Like everybody has questions that they they want answered. Because nobody talks about it. And so here I'm, because I, I work at a private mortuary at nights and weekends, and that's where I make the videos. 
so I can make the videos there. Like I get messages like I do autopsies or I work at a funeral home and, and we have a, uh, a clause that if I make films or, or do TikToks that I'll get fired. I'm like, well, I do it at a private place. I don't show bodies. I don't say names. I'm like, I'm walking a fine line. Like somebody yeah. could try to get me fired, but I'm not really doing anything but answering questions, standing. Yeah. I get a lot of times they're like, are you like standing in the back of a fast food restaurant? Like everything's stainless steel. I'm like, it's a, it's a mortuary. It's a morgue. I just, I can't show around. you, I can't show you the rest of the room, but I'm just answering the questions that people have always wondered. Like, Yes. And then one one time I got is like, how do you drain the blood from the body? Do you cut the feet off? And I was like, what? <laughs> like, do you cut the feet off and drain the blood? And I'm like, no. Man, the we, misconceptions. Like that's that's me, why what you're doing is awesome. People like need to understand that the stuff. Like, I don't mean to laugh at that one that much because like he didn't know. If people no, don't you know, know what's so, behind the scenes, it's like there's a hundred different ways you can drain the body. Like when I do an autopsy, all the pieces are out and then I can suck out what's left in the cavity. And then when you yeah. get embalmed, they'll flush out your arms and your legs. And then that's yeah. how they get all that out. Yeah. They're like, Oh, well, my uncle told me you cut the feet off. I'm like, no, <laughs> what, what horror movie were you watching? Hostile? Like, how's that work? I don't know. <laughs> no kidding. So how much like, do you get to work with the pathologist and determining this stuff? Like, you get in there and be like, hey, like, check this out. Like, I, I found something. Like, how often does that happen for you? Right. Uh, so, yeah. How, what I, is the relationship like? Yeah. So, been doing this 15 years, opening bodies. And so. You know your stuff. Yeah. Most of the time, everything's in the right place and it looks normal. The minute you open them and you notice something, like, before you even cut, you look around, you make sure everything's in the right place and everything looks good. Then yeah. all of a sudden, if you see something weird, and most of the time, like, weird is, like, cancer mass or something. Like, we've had some patients that passed away, and that we don't know why they died, and we open them, and they're full-blown cancer, and big white oh. spots all over their lungs and liver, and oh. you're like, okay, well, that's not right. That's probably the cause of death. So, usually, if I notice something that looks abnormal, I'll be like, hey, doc, come look at this, and he'll be like, okay, I'll look at it. And then, once he gets the organs on his table, he'll, he'll make extra cuts and, and submit extra tissue. Yeah. So I help a little, they're the pathologist. They went to school for 10 years. They're the doctor of the dead. Like yeah. I have a four year degree in criminal justice. They have a 10 year degree in, in medical. So yeah. I help a little bit. I'm like, Hey, this don't look right. And then they do the medical diagnosis. A lot, a lot of people will say, Hey, can you look at my mom and dad's death certificate and tell me what these things mean? I'm like, uh, not really. Like I don't have, I don't do that part. Like I remove the organs and the yeah. doctor does all that. So yeah. I try to answer as much as I can. And then yeah. the, the pathologist kind of does all the, the, the real technical medical stuff. And so yeah. if I do see something like when I first started, I was taking the brain out and uh, there's a pituitary gland right underneath the brain. Sure. But it was it looked like a big old marble. I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, this isn't right. Like the ones I've seen before, you have to kind of cut the bone and get to the pituitary gland and it's, half the size of your pinky nail is like real small oh, well this okay. looks like a marble sitting there and i was like doc 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 come here come look and he goes oh he's got a pituitary tumor i was like well i've never seen that that's crazy no i mean i knew right as soon as i pulled the brain back i was like oh that's not right 
what is yeah. that? And he's like, that's a tumor on his pituitary gland, and that's why he was losing so much weight, and he was getting sick, oh, and he was dehydrated, because yeah. he had this tumor on his pituitary gland. And I was like, wow, that's crazy. So I have a little part in recognizing some stuff, but sometimes your case gets figured out under the microscope and that's a week yeah. down the line when you yeah. submit the tissue to histology and they process it and cut the slides and then get the slides to the doctor so, so a lot of the times i don't see the cause of death because it's right. already a week later and i've already done 10 or 15 more cases since that one that i did so okay. i don't i don't usually see the end part i just see what's happening right now and then i erase it from my memory when i go home and, right. and then show up the next day what's on the docket what are we doing today so what like do the doctors ever consult like i know like with the private pathologists they at the funeral home they've talked like with the family to to get some background of the person is that at all like do do is that an actual thing where they they try to see some history to like give them yeah clues to where they're going so yeah, usually when the bodies are sent to the to Little Rock for the Emmys, and if they're suspicious or found dead, what they'll ask the coroner or the police agency that's sending the case to see if they can contact the family, see if we know any last details, last time somebody's seen this person, and then ask the family if they have any medical history, like history of cancer or history of this or history of that. Yeah. But sometimes we got a found dead and like homeless person. We have no medical history. We don't know any family That's members. Cool. And so you're going in blindly, but it, yeah. you wish you have a medical history that you can kind of go off of to know, hey, this person had After a that. kidney transplant and they should have three kidneys. And so you open them up and a lot of people don't know if you get a donor kidney, they leave your other kidney in there. And so you'll have a kidney in your pelvis. So I'll open you up and I'll be looking around like, Doc, there's three kidneys here. Like, oh, yeah, he he had a kidney transplant and they'll leave your old one in and they'll put an, another one, your kidney transplant in your pelvis. And it's called a pelvic kidney. Not all the time, but I've seen it a couple of times where the person has three kidneys. And then That's I've crazy. also seen somebody have a horseshoe kidney. I didn't know that was the thing. I was trying to pop the casing off kidney yeah. i'm like wait a minute why does it keep going and it went down and then went back up on the other side and i was like wait doc come here something's wrong and they're like oh he's got a horseshoe kidney yeah so it'll start on one side go down and then come up on the other so you have one Whoa. big horseshoe kidney yeah i've seen it probably in 15 years i've probably seen about six so it's more common than you think and i was like yeah. i wonder if they knew they had that like that's it's crazy like yeah. i wonder if i have a horseshoe kidney like i, I don't know i like how do you, you figure these things out? On, so maybe you do. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. I mean, like you've been doing it so many years. Like it's like the same with me and the prepper when I'm embalming, like, I get spot like, okay, this is the stuff I got to target. It's probably yeah. the same thing for you. Like when you open some up, it's like, okay, we got this, this, and this, like you've seen so many bodies that you can recognize. These are the abnormalities. So you can kind of do like get your way into a situation where you can figure out what's going on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot yeah. of sense. It's, 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 I hate to say it's repetitive, but it's a lot of it is repetitive. Like yeah. every once in a while, you see something a little bit different, but it, it's usually all about the same. Oop, that's a death call here. Hold on just a second. All right, I think the students got it. I'm sorry about that. You know, we've been seeing a lot more business come in ever since we started Mortuary Marketing. And I got to tell you, 
all the field homes we work with, are, they're saying the same thing. So what do we do? We run ads on Google and other similar sites that get directed at families that need a funeral home in your area. It then brings them to a page that we've designed for you that gets the family to call you to inquire for your services. It's really increased our volume big time. It's working for my funeral home, and I think most parlors could really benefit from its uses. I put a bunch of information in the podcast description. Go check it out. I'm always happy to help talk with you and answer any questions you might have. All right, let's get back to our morbid discussion. Yeah, and uh, so what about, um, have, you, have you ever, like I know you work at a private firm like sometimes in the evenings or whatever during the, week, or during the weekends and everything else. Have you ever gone to like funeral homes? Like around here, they do have pathologists and autopsy techs that will actually come to the funeral home and perform the procedure there for a private autopsy. Have you ever seen that or been a part of that? Yeah, a couple of times the, the the doctor that I work with nights and weekends, there's a one or two funeral homes that they will ask us, the family wants a private autopsy and they have a big prep room and they'll be like, just come to us and do what you need to do. And so the it's less traveling for that body and, right. and less expense for the family if, if we just go and do it there. And sometimes like, well, I've probably done three at funeral homes. Most of the time, it's at the mortuary. We have them yeah. brought to us. But I have showed up at the back of a funeral home. Like it's weird. Like I, I like I'm not supposed to be here. Like this is a weird spot. And then I go in and like the prep room, and I'm like, this is somebody else's space. Like this is yeah. your space. You know where everything is. I have no idea right. where anything is. And so it's just kind of a weird environment. But we make it work, and that's something that that I have done. And it's it's I mean it. It gets people answers, and so it's yeah, all, it, there's a purpose to everything. Right. It's got to be a weird situation where you got to bring in all your equipment. It's got to be just so much more tedious rather than just like doing it at your own spot. Have you ever yeah. seen embalming? Have you ever seen one? Have I seen what? Embalming. Have you seen an embalming oh, in the future? Yeah, 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 yeah. We 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 uh at the mortuary that I, I do the private autopsies nights and weekends. There's an embalmer there. And I help him and he embalms a lot of the times if you come for an autopsy and then they want the body embalmed, it'll get two services. So it'll get a autopsy and then the, the embalmer will step up and he'll embalm it. Everything, and everything's then, opened up already. Like, let's go. Yep, let's it's right it. there and just gets all powdered, sewed up, washed, gets on the, and goes back to the funeral home. And all they got to do is make up and dress and in the casket and they're ready to go. So it kind of it kind of benefits up to that. <laughs> yeah <laughs> this skips the middleman a little bit right exactly so what about what about the stitching uh tell me a little bit about like the procedure for that like are you using like a thick double ligature or are you just kind of going through and trying to be quick because most of the time we're opening them back up if unless it's like a cremation or whatever else tell us about like what you do um if you do and i'm sure you do try to help out funeral directors like with the carotids or anything or with the stitching or anything with the, with the head, with the skull too, is there anything in place that you do to try to help on the other side? So, yeah, I, I, I when I first started, they taught me to like, you got not to hit the carotids. Cause if you nick a carotid, the face nope. won't embalm, the funeral home will call, they will write letters, they'll complain, they'll try to get you fired. <laughs> and funny. I understand, I understand it. So they were like, it's really important when you take the neck, just pull yeah. it over to the side and find yeah. that carotid and then just kind of try it. to yeah. cut on the inside. And then, I just, they're like, you can go fast on the body, but once you get to the neck, go slow because that's the most important is like when they see that face in the funeral casket, 
if it's not embalmed correctly, then the embalmer gets blamed. And then and it's not really the embalmer's fault. It goes back to the autopsy tech's fault. And then you can't really say, uh, well, the ME messed it up. I can't you're blame still, I can't you're, you're gonna You're going to get all the blame because they're at your facility. And so I try to slow down when I do the neck. And yeah. when Thank I get done that. with the body, yeah. When I get done with the body, I'll just put one stitch to at the Y because I don't want the body to have extra holes, which yep. you have to fill. And so what I'll do is I'll do a double string and I'll just go across and then I'll go up to the, the top part of the Y and then I'll just loop it through and then twist it and then pull it tight. And so there's one stitch holding it together. Oh. And then also one stitch at the top of the head holding it together because I don't want extra holes that you yeah. have to fill. And so what we what I do is oh. I do one stitch straight across and then I grab the top part and then I I just you tie it all together. Yeah, yeah. So it, it, they wow. stay together, and then that one stitch up here so the the skull cap doesn't fall out and I send you on your way because yeah, I know if I put extra holes you got to open it up anyway and then the body's got extra holes and then you got to figure out I, you don't want the body leaking that's why i tell everybody right. like you don't want the body to leak in the casket because then everybody gets upset so yeah. less holes possible and so what i do is when i'm done i just put one stitch and pull it tight and send you on your way to the funeral home yeah that's different than here they're, they're stitching up and down everywhere um i think that's maybe for like transportation purposes maybe so there's less spillage in the bag or whatever else but you're right like it's a lot more holes i find myself like trying to to match when i'm suturing trying to yeah. match those holes that was made during the autopsy so we're doing as little as possible but usually it's it's not as thorough as i would do because it's like they're trying to go fast and they're probably trying yeah, to put as little holes as possible big. So just big loops where i'm yeah. more trying i need it tight and sealed we're not leaking ever but that's interesting. I've never seen anyone with a single stitch, but that does make sense. It's less, less, less work really for me at yeah. the end of the day. It's less work. Yeah. And so I just try to be mindful of the next guy that's going to get the body. Right. So one stitch and send you on your way. And we wrap you in a sheet and then put you in the body bag. And so if you do leak the sheet, we'll grab some of it. Yeah. But there's still going to be leakage, but yeah, the less holes, the better. Cause you, yeah. you won't have like, so I know you could probably glue and, and cotton and do right. all the things, but there's still a chance that the body will leak. And I don't want the family to yeah. have leaky body. So right. I just do yeah. one stitch to hold the Y together. And then one stitch at the top of the head. Yeah. I, That's I always, the way they taught me. Right. I always glue the Y and then I'm almost always going to throw some plastics on. Like I, I like to be better safe than sorry. Like some funeral directors like hate using the plastics. I'm like, it's an extra insurance. The last thing in the entire world you would ever want is any leakage. Like I, I stitch tight. Trust me, I do. So I don't want anyone coming at me for that. I really do. But like I, my, my worst nightmare would ever to be any sort of leakage. So you gotta, yeah. you gotta be thorough with that stuff. We at the mortuary that I helped sew up the bodies, we get, we have the contract with Aurora, which is the bone organ harvest place. And so we sew up all the bone donors and we put plastics on the bodies. And yeah. I don't know if you do this, but once we get done sewing the body, we flip the body over and it's easy to put the union all on with the body flipped over. Wait, wait, yeah. wait this to me because I've always done it where you pull it up and then you get the arms halfway and then you zip and then I'm ripping the back of the bag. All right, you gotta no, you gotta do no. this one. So you do body's on the table, it's all sewed up, it's washed. Yep. Get you another table, flip the body, 
face down onto that table and have their about knee down hanging off. So their feet are hanging off the, the end of this table. Start putting the union all on backwards while they're face down and then put their arms through it, flip them back over, zip it up. Roll them over. It's a lifesaver. Yes. Roll the body over. I would put a pillow down so it doesn't smash their face, but have their legs hanging off the end of the table. Put the union all on backwards. It's a game changer. My jaw is dropped. If you're Yes. Yes. We we probably do 10 to 15 bone donors a week and we flip them over and put your union all on backwards. Wow. And then flip you back over and zip you up. It's amazing. Wow. That's going to save me so much hassle. That's yes. that's awesome. I mean, because you got to get it past the butt and then up the back if they're right. face up. But flip them over onto a pillow, goes right on. Goes that's right awesome. on. That's so awesome. Next Gerald, time you do it, send me a message and let me know how I'm easy gonna, it was. I'm gonna. Next time I need one, I'm going to hit you up. Gerald, this has been awesome. I mean, I've learned a ton. Like, this is stuff that – I, you know, I don't know about, like, I'm a funeral director. I know a lot about the dead stuff, but I, I didn't know this. This has been so honestly amazing conversation. We learned a bunch. You gave me the tip of a lifetime here at the end. Yes. Like everyone's got to follow this guy. He comes, he brings this energy to all of his videos. You're going to learn a lot more, like, especially us funeral directors out there. Like this is stuff we should know because families ask us these questions too. So you got to yeah. find Gerald, tell us where to where else uh, we could find you again. Give us your TikTok and your Instagram. And if there's anything else that you, you want to plug, you got to give it to us because uh, you're you're awesome. We we love what you're doing. Yes, thank you. I'm glad you had me on. I'll yeah. gladly come back anytime. It's uh, TikTok and I'm Instagram is the same. It's G space W D U B Y A or Big underscore Lead seven three. All right. We're going to follow you there and we're going to have to have you on again because I guarantee I'm going to get a bunch of questions from all, all every, yes. like all the funeral director friends. So thank you so much, Joe. We appreciate you. All right. Thank you.